0: Kenny Chester Podcast. Welcome back to the Kenny Chesser Podcast. I am your host, Kenny Chesser, and today I'm so excited. I've got a guest in studio with me. Um, this is going to be a culture and crisis addendum episode. I mentioned before that it would be the last episode unless I could convince one of my substitute uh, teachers that came in to teach a lesson while I was traveling out. And I have such a man with me today. He's also a co host on another podcast we do called Pros Before Bros. Mr. James Crocker is with me today. He's going to be talking about a lesson that he taught a as, as a part of the Culture in Crisis series about when Harry became Sally. Title taken from a book that he used for the content. And I can't wait to talk about it. Buckle up. Let's get to work. I don't know. It seems to me that he shouldn't be saying that. Well, what is it that you want him to say? Shut him down. The Kenny, the Kenny
1: Chester Podcast.
0: All right. So great to have James Crocker in studio. My man, what's going on?
1: I'm just glad to be here. I am humbled to be on the Kenny Chester Podcast. The Kenny
0: Chester Podcast. I'm telling you what, me and this guy go way back if you've not been listening to our pros before bros podcast it's something we've been doing for about uh, three months now going on two three months and me and my buddy sit around we talk about books that we read we was doing this before we started recording it (laughs) and we just kind of brought the microphones into the conversation uh james is a voracious reader um, and me and him both read similar things we have different tastes that diverge on some books And so we sit around and talk about books. And I recommend right now that you would subscribe to that podcast. It's on Apple and all the other podcast uh, platforms. Um, But in keeping with my culture in crisis, I said that we were going to possibly do an addendum. where we brought in somebody to talk about another subject, and there was two lessons that I was unable to teach um, during the the uh, the series that I did. It's a thirteen week semester, and I was traveling to preach a couple of those Sundays. And James Crocker was one of the guys that I wanted to get in to teach the class. We had a great class, as one of uh, a larger class that I've taught at some of our, our church. And James is a dynamic teacher. Um, it's what's it's what's funny about mine and James's relationship is that as we progressed and grew in life, we became really close friends, uh, in which we did a lot of things together, um, uh, from playing sports together to recording uh, amateur uh, wrestling <laughs> <laughs> and and movies um, uh, to doing comedy together. And, uh, but what's funny is like the, our age difference was when you, when you're younger, it's a great age difference when you're older, it's not that much, but James is actually a teacher of mine, uh, in a youth group just for about a year before I got out of the youth group, cause James had went to college and became a public educator. And so then he started teaching the adult class when I graduated into the adult class and James is just a fantastic teacher. So I wanted him to weigh in and, when we were talking about it, he had read a book, and I don't even think it was a part of it, the, him thinking about the series. It's just something that came up. No. And uh, tell us the name of the book and right, uh, so, exactly what was going on.
1: So, you know, as you mentioned earlier, we were having one of those conversations where we, you know, talk about what we've been reading. So after church one Sunday, and I was like, hey, man. He's like, hey, what you been reading? I was like, well, I read this book. It's kind of interesting. It's uh, When Harry Became Sally by Ryan Anderson. And uh, <laughs> you're like, oh, that's that transgender book, right? And I'm like, yeah. And you're like... You want to teach a lesson on it,
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? Right, right. And it just—it was just—it was perfect. And again, James wouldn't have to read a book. I mean, he's—he—he he comes uh, with a lot of resource and a lot of already uh, cursory knowledge of issues. Um, but James doesn't—you know—he don't go in half cocked either. When you give him a task, he—and uh, this is something we've talked about—the pros before, bros. is a thirst for knowledge, and so he would—he would have been prepared anyway. It just was a perfect uh, opportunity. So, tell me a little bit about the book and how it—how it shaped the lesson. Uh, when it comes to like cultural Marxism, we're talking about how the left have, have marched their way through all the institutions and have um, uh, really uh, brought some radical ideas to the forefront in American culture.
1: So I, I just want to start off with a disclaimer. I am not a transgender expert. That
0: is that is correct. Now, just because you have transitioned to, to, to in life, now I'm joking. I knew we we got to get those jokes out of the way. They're they're just in the yeah. back of my mind. But as as a trans man, James, no, but but no, so, uh, no, but again, I'm I, and that's what we tell people. And I say it on the podcast all the time, and even in the class or whatever. Is like, look, you know, we are volunteer workers at this church, right. and none of us are, you know you know, have masters of written dissertations in any of these things or trying to be self-educated. So so.
1: you, uh, you know, you started your podcast and you, you had a couple of guys as guests on and you're like, man, James, I need to get you on as a guest. And I'm like, yeah, man, I would love to. It'd be fun to go on your podcast. And then you're like, hey, why don't you come on and talk about that book? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, great. You're going to introduce me to your podcast audience as the transgender. He'll be the (laughs) trans,
0: he'll be the trans man. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, I remember that conversation. It was really, really, really funny. It was just one of those things that It just kind of <laughs> it kind of worked out perfectly because I was already doing the series. But um, but now that we have our own podcast too, that that actually kind of helped break the ice as well because I've talked about that on the on on this podcast, uh, the little crossover aspect. So I think I know uh, Ryan Anderson. I think he has a Twitter presence, and I don't know if I follow him, but I think I've had some of his stuff retweeted on my timeline. I've definitely. About the book before you mention it, but I haven't read it. So right. tell me so, about the concept. So, so
1: I will tell you what what drew me to this book was was not that I was just interested in this topic. It was the fact that Amazon had banned this book. Right. And uh, I remember uh, listening to an, uh, another podcast, a political podcast, maybe Ben Shapiro, Michael Knowles, one of those. But they were just they had Ryan Anderson on as a guest, and uh, he was talking about how his book was banned from Amazon. And I thought, well, if they're banning this book, then then I probably need to see. You know, what's the deal?
0: Which goes and shows you how dumb of an idea banning books is. It's really just, it's like the Streisand effect. You call more attention to the material that you're trying to divert attention
1: away from. Where if they would have just let it be, you know, people that wanted to read it would read it. People that, you know, the market would determine whether or not it would be a success. But instead they have, they have driven, you know, given it more attention and, and driven more readers to it um but in his book uh the, the main thing that he that he's saying is and he calls it uh the the transgender moment he, the the subtitle of the book is responding to the transgender moment uh and what he says about that is that, that this is this is a moment this is something that you know will come and it will go um if we handle it right if we respond to it correctly then then hopefully this will be something that just passes um because as your listeners probably know, you've talked about this a lot in your Culture in Crisis, one of the things about progressivism is it doesn't stop. Right. You know, it, it continues to go. And, and so you know, right now it's this transgender moment, but, but what's next? You know, right. What's the next thing that's coming? Um, but he goes into the science behind it, uh, uh, behind the transgender um, ideology. Let, let
0: me stop you right there because I think uh, it, it's worth pointing out the what's next If you say gender is a social construct, which that's the case that they're trying to make, how much more so could you do the same thing with age? Literally, I mean, we've got more science that would back up gender than we do with age. Age is just, I mean, we really kind of, you know, there's been calendars since the dawn of, you know, uh, people watching the stars or whatever. So we've, you know, this calendar that we have now, it's just one of calendars you know, several calendars have been before it or whatever. So if we're marking it as you're one years old or you're, you know, one year is defined by a, a trip around the sun or whatever. So right. that literally is a cultural construct. We all got together and said, this is how old we are. And, you will even do it for different animals. You know, it's like, you know, the whole dogs are seven
1: seven years to one year, whatever. Right.
0: So if we do that, if we say that gender is a social construct and people can transition because it doesn't have any basis in reality, how much more so could you do the same thing with age? And then, uh, so like you would have transgender like competing in biologically male or female Olympic events or something like that. You could, if you could apply the same thing to like trans age and people are doing this already, you know. How could you? Couldn't you also skirt like marriage laws for minors? Could you not skirt laws that you know, like I can go to school, you know, in the fifth grade as a 40 year old? It it,
1: it may be an overused saying, but it's a slippery slope. Right, right. There's there's,
0: if you if you do it for that, then something with less science behind it, like something like age. That's that's something just thought uh, popped in my mind when you were saying that. So continue on the book. All
1: right, so he does ask some questions. He say there there are some questions that it that that the transgender ideology cannot give a coherent response to. And, and one of those would be this. If gender is a social construct, how can gender identity be innate and immutable?
0: That's great. That's a great point.
1: Because that is, that's one thing that these people will tell you. You can't question someone's uh, expressed gender. You know, and, and it's unchangeable. Right. But Even to the point
0: of where it's being criminalized. If you you raise a question of it or what they call deadnating somebody that has transitioned. Right. If you use their own, they literally can get you on hate speech, dox you, kick you off of a social media platform, you know, depending on the state. You right. Know, really.
1: So, so if your gender identity is that concrete ingrained in who you are, how could it possibly be a social construct?
0: Right. That's a good point. It's a self-defeating argument. Like if, if we accept the one is true, then the other one is like, yeah.
1: And, and along that same line, if, if your gender identity is innate, how can it also be fluid? Right. Because that's another claim that they make. You could, you, know, you could be one thing now, and later you could be another gender. Right. But, you know, so, so you know, just from a logical standpoint, you know, you know the, this ideology doesn't hold up.
0: Right. And that's one thing as well that we've covered more in the, the culture and crisis on the other issues is that when you admit that your, ideal, uh, your ideology doesn't have any root in logic or reasoning. Like you as, as we talk about, you know, the epistemological concerns, like how do we know what's true? Well, if you already assign that, you know, if you use logic or you use reason, then that's like a privileged person's way to prove, make points or whatever, then your argument doesn't have to be logical. It doesn't have to be reasonable. It can literally be nonsense, nonsensical, but because you feel that way. So I think that's how they probably get around those quote-unquote logical traps. Like they don't have to have logic. You don't that's a that's a privileged person, you know, and it's just it kind of I don't know it gives the game away. It, 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 when you can't if you know you can't argue from that standpoint, then you weaken the the principle that would, would apply to that. That's very so that's he he argues against it logically, right? Okay,
1: and and he also he, he goes into the, the scientific research uh, that was done, I believe, at John Hopkins, right? Um,
0: Who famously stopped uh, right. gender reassignment surgery because. The, and they're not a they're not a Christian
1: organization, I'm right? Secular medical but w- what they found was it was violating. They found that it was violating their oath to do no harm, uh, because psychologically they were doing harm to these people who they were doing these reassignment surgeries on, because they found that that as they followed up and followed the people who had these surgeries, the the rates of depression went up. The, the like, you know they were having more psychological problems because what they were doing. Uh, which you know the reason why this book was banned was because they what Amazon said that they didn't specifically ban this book they just don't sell books that say that transgenderism is a mental disorder right and which is what this book claims right that that is the claim uh, that Ryan Anderson makes is that which is what psych- the field of psychology made right. for years
0: a, it's not a new claim right it's, it's always been classified claim. as a uh, gender dysphoria gender as a, dysphoria
1: yeah. right it, it is a mental disorder and. And so, so John, he goes into the science. Uh, he he uh, talks a lot about one specific re- researcher, which I didn't write his name down in my notes for the lesson. I didn't feel like that was something we needed. We didn't need the guy's name for the lesson I was teaching at church. But but he was one of the you know he actually uh, lost his position at at the at the university because he would not continue to basically let a political argument win over what he felt was the actual science right. and, and the data
0: yeah that's it's somebody else that's faced this and it's, it's what's funny is like on this issue you'll find that you know um what's the old saying about strange bedfellows i'm trying to I, I, it,
1: politics make strange bedfellows right,
0: right when you get into an issue like this like you take a classically liberal organ uh, or like movement like a feminist movement and then you you, see, you have the trans movement comes through and now you're on this side, you're on this very left, you know, liberal-leaning side where you've been fighting for women's right for so many years. And you got classic uh, feminists like Abigail uh, Shearer, who wrote the book. Um, uh, it, it was also banned. I'm trying to remember Irreversible Damage, right. or Irreversible, I think, was the name of the book. And she hers was also banned. But she's she's not a conservative. She's a feminist. But they're saying they're sounding the alarm. They're like, this is dangerous for women. Like we're fighting. We've been fighting women's rights since the 70s and like this is going to imperil women you know in in a lot of places like that they, they should be you know is something like bathrooms or, or dressing rooms or whatever it's like man we're fighting for their rights or even like in women's sports and so it's not it's not just you know conservatives which they want to paint it as a conservative versus liberal fight but it's not you know you're going to see a lot of uh, of, of hotly contested debates on the left on this issue alone because it's going to uh wreak havoc in like the feminist causes as well.
1: Right. And, and the book says that one of the challenge for activists is to offer a plausible definition of gender and gender identity that is independent of bodily sex. Right. Because what they want to say is that, that, you know, your, your bodily, your basic biology has nothing to do with your gender. But then when they want to define genders, it's related to your, to your biology. And and so is is there a connection or is there not a connection? Um, And again, that goes back to the logic just doesn't hold up.
0: Right. It goes back to the epistemological concerns. Like, how do you know what's true? Like we've had for years, we knew like scientifically, we knew what a woman was. We knew what a man was. I mean, down, down to the biology of chromosomes. We know what it looks like. We can tell in the womb, like before all the parts, you know, develop, we know by chromosomes. If right. it's biological male, biological female. So if you separate that, you know, but then like I said, you can't separate well, all the Lord.
1: and he goes into that in the book and, and because one argument that they will make that, that people with the transgender ideology will make is well, not every person has either XY or XX chromosomes. There are exceptions to that. Right. And and so what they want to do is they want to say, Well, that exception, that chromosomal abnormality is another gender. But actually, it's not. It's a birth defect. Right. It is a genetic defect, similar to how, and, and this is he goes into this in the book, with, with the, our, the way our heart works. You know, we, we have learned through modern medicine how the blood flows through the heart and how the, the chambers uh, compress at different times and different stages. And from time to time, a person is born that the valves in their heart do a different
0: Right, like a mitral valve prolapse. Yes,
1: Yes, there's a different beat, a different rhythm to that heart. Well, that's not another way the heart works. That is a defect. Right. And and it causes all kinds of problems with the rest of the, of the Absolutely. body. Absolutely.
0: And it's one of those things, too, when you say it like that, you think, then, then then that's where the hate is like, oh, they're saying I'm a defect. It's like, no, no, it's saying that you are unfortunately, you know, you might have been born asexual, however they classify it with that extra, you know, uh, chromosome. But that doesn't mean that that's the norm. It's like... Say, it's, it's very true to say of humans, humans have 10 fingers and 10 toes. So that is a biologically true statement right. of the majority of humans. But there are some humans that are born with 11 fingers, you know, or 12 toes. Right. But that is an aberration of the norm. Now, that doesn't mean those people aren't human. They're the humans with extra fingers right and they could be human with an extra chromosome but like you said and what the book makes i think it's a strong point is that doesn't mean make, make a new gender it just means that there's an am, am- uh, anomaly present so i think that's good let me ask you this um and you might uh, already have it but you want to say because i know that you you uh, you're like me when we're teaching classes or whatever we like to build presentations so i'm pretty sure you have notes and right. and, and slides that uh, according that going to this um Oh, I remember what I was gonna say a while ago is somebody that that, that was a liberal that got in, in trouble with this was well, she's not politically right at uh, on the right at all. She said politically right, like correct, but politically conservative, um, was uh Harry Potter lady, uh, Jackie Rowling. Right. She got and she's still, but she's kind of gonna be ugly, but she's got some of that money that <laughs> yeah. she can say what she wants and it don't matter. They can't cancel. You can't cancel the person that wrote she, Harry she's Potter. She's got
1: some of that forget you money. Right,
0: exactly. That's a very <laughs> well stated, my friend. <laughs> and uh, we went to censor us like we did on the pros before <laughs> pros. Um, but yeah, she's got some of that. You know, she's made her mark. And so now somebody coming up, right, a new author, could not make the statement she made and still make a living writing, but she's already made her money and she's been in a lot of trouble, you know, with on the trans issue or whatever, and she's been labeled a trans hater and she's very liberal. Um, but let me ask you this. Um, we're, we're, we're at the 18 minute mark and I think we could talk about this for another uh, 10, 15 minutes. Probably could talk about it longer than that, right. but I did want to get to the point of, okay, now we know ideology, uh, ideologically what they're trying to say and how it's, how it's affecting discourse, like how, you know, all these new, uh, thought crimes and word crimes and bad speak and all this stuff. The double speak you've already mentioned that with right. with having to separate gender from biological sex. We get all of that. Let me ask you this from a, a Christian perspective. Like one of the areas of our class of concern was we talked about you know biblical answers to these issues and how how the church can address this. Um, and I wasn't there that day, and we we talked a little bit about it, but I wanted to know uh, if you touched on that and how. Uh, even if you didn't touch on it, like just knowing your biblical knowledge, how do we address this uh, as Christians and as preachers and teachers of the gospel? Um, how do we address this? Uh, you talk about the transgender moment. What is our responsibility in this transgender moment?
1: Uh, well, first of all, as Christians, we we have to know um, that the Bible absolutely does not condone uh, the transgender ideology. Right. Right. Um, and, you know, it, there, there are scriptures uh, that I had in the lesson where uh, it talks about God created man and woman.
0: Like, um, even Jesus, I think he said, "What was one of my favorite scriptures when it comes to cultural, cultural stuff, because it's the same scripture that you use, in my opinion, for transgender issues that you, say, that you use for same-sex ma- marriage. And that was when Jesus was talking about marriage. He says, from the beginning of time, he made them male and female, and for this cause right. shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and so it reiterates also male and female, and then it says mother and father. It t- it says it again, and then it also says a man shall cleave to his wife again. There's it's it's like three times in a row Jesus qualifies male, female, mother, father, man, wife, and so two genders, and that's the idea of marriage,
1: right? And and then you know, and another another concept, another you know thing that we teach, you know, especially in the Apostolic Church. Is that there? There is to be a distinction, right, uh, between men and women. A scripture, that's, a scripture that's often used is Deuteronomy twenty-two and five, uh, which says, "A woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man, nor shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all who do so are an, are an abomination unto the Lord." So the the concept or the or the the idea there is not necessarily just to do police garments, but it, but it's a distinction and a separation. You know that there are separate there there's separate roles. Uh, that God has for men and women, and so, and because of that, there should be a visual a distinction between men and women, and, and what that distinction is may vary from culture to culture, but but all cultures, even non-Christian cultures, have a distinction. Oh yeah, uh, you can look and you can tell, you know, the men and the women.
0: You know, one thing that I, this was kind of it was, it was humorous at the time, but it also, I think, bore out a point. Let me ask, like, because I don't know if you've ever considered this. One of the, probably the most famous person to transgender or transition, I should say, um, in the last 10 years was Olympic athlete Bruce Jenner. Right. And he, I remember, well, like, I remember the early reporting where he has like, his, his hair was growing out long and he looked more feminine. And everybody's like, he's going to be a, and I was like, no, not Bruce Jenner. This is, you know, this is one of those uh, TMZs, tabloid National Enquirer type stories. And then when he came out, do you remember how he came out as transgender when he, it was a magazine cover and it says, I'm Caitlin or something like that. And oh boy is in an evening gown. And this is one of those things that I always, I always think it's funny. It's like, okay, in our culture, that's obsessed with tearing down and blurring the lines of distinction of gender. Why, why do you have to look like a woman if, if it's all culturally, you know, set up? Why, why put on an evening dress? You know what I mean? Like if, if culturally we don't identify that as a women's, what a woman should woman should look like why put on the dress bruce or Caitlin, you know whatever you want to call yourself like why why would you even like to me that kind of gives the game away it's like okay it is distinct you know like just be right. a just be a dude that looks why, why like couldn't, a woman that looks why, like a dude why
1: couldn't he come out in the same clothes he was wearing as bruce and just say hey i'm Caitlin. I'm Caitlin.
0: right yeah it's just one of those things just like so there is there's something to distinction that even even when it's not overt, you know, it's not pronounced in our society. It's like subconsciously, you know, they've erased, they've erased the idea of God, but you can't get rid of his, his creative order. And it's like, okay, we're going to be so progressive, but Hey, I'm a woman. I'm going to (laughs) dress. you know, I know what a woman should look like. It's just so weird to me that, you know, that's, that's where we end up on these issues.
1: And, and so, uh, to continue answering the, the last question, what, what should Christians do, uh, in the book, uh, Ryan Anderson does does come away with four things that he says as Christians how we respond uh, to this moment and and the first one is that we have to realize that disagreeing with the the transgender ideology does not mean that we are denying the the psychological pain uh, that people that are suffering with gender dysphoria have Very Very you know it, that is a real uh, mental issue that they have to deal with um, and you know. In the church, there a lot of times the church struggles to deal with a lot of psychological issues. That's true um, with people, uh, um, because you know I, I hate to sound you know too carnal or, or sacrilegious, but you know a lot of times you know <clears throat> we 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 want to cast the devil out of people when you know it, it's actually just it, it's a psychological problem it could be a chemical imbalance I say,
0: say something that's like depression right like we I, how many times have I've heard people say for that person needs to just pray through and then I've heard a lot of pastors and especially in the last five ten years change their it when they've themselves went through depression it's like it's not it wasn't my prayer life that was suffering and I've really had a mental thing and I think it's smart to put it in that frame and say you know these people they need help and you know even if it's I'm not saying that prayer doesn't help and I'm not saying that the Holy Ghost and praying through wouldn't help but there are certain things that we would send somebody to counseling for if they right. had a mental. And this is, in my opinion, it still should be classified in that, that realm.
1: And, and, and one thing with that, you know, the church has to have compassion there. And, and, you know, not saying God's not able to completely turn people around, you know, in one day. But not everybody turns around that fast. Right. And, and so, you know, we, we have to be compassionate with, with people that we're trying to reach that you know they may struggle, right? And and they may have you know it may take some time and it may be a slow process um, for them to to try to to get over some of the things they're dealing with.
0: That's very good. It's like it's the whole battle of the idea of miracles. Miracles are good and they're biblical, and I believe in miracles. But miracles—the reason they're miracles—is because they're exceedingly rare, <laughs> right? You know, and so God could do a miracle, but you know, a lot of times it's going to take work, and it's going to be pro. It's going to be messy. <laughs> it's going to be you know discipleship. is a long process. And so I, I agree with that a lot. That's, you know, that's very good. But
1: at the same time, he says that, that a church, the church has to stand firm on the belief, and not really the belief, but the fact that a man cannot become a woman, right. and a woman cannot become a man. And you know, the church just has to stand on that truth, um, even though they're going to they're going to be compassionate and they're going to to try to help people who want to be helped. But at the same time, we can't we can't go along. With like, that,
0: you're not doing them any favors. Right. If someone else had a like, and I think Ben Shapiro said this years ago when he talked about his grandfather that was uh, had dementia, and he thought, you know, I'm trying to remember, like the, it was like an inanimate object was talking to him, and it was, or he was, I and mean, I can't remember, but it's basically the idea was we love Papa or we love Grandpa, we don't do him any favors by indulging in his delusions. You know, we say no that. You know that clock isn't talking to you. You shouldn't listen to that clock. You know if right. it tells you to kill this, you know whatever, and you you say we love you and you love them out of it. And I think it kind of ties into the last episode that I did on culture in crisis is when you get ready to speak the truth. You know we talk about live not by lies. When you rise to that point, so you you gotta you gotta apply the the Paul's advice to the Church of Ephesus. You gotta speak the truth in love. You don't sacrifice truth on the altar of acceptance and tolerance. You still speak the truth, but it, there's it's got to be. Laden, you know, with with love. Okay, so that's the the, the one uh, point. What was you said? There was four.
1: All right, so that was actually the first two. Okay, so you know, the first one was, you know, we can disagree with their position without denying that they're they're actually suffering and in pain. And then the second one was, we have to stand on that that truth that uh, that a man cannot become a woman, right? A woman cannot become a man. And then the third one is that the Bible gives us the framework for understanding where this is coming from because the Bible tells us that once sin entered the world, that, that it was corrupted. And so this is just another manifestation of man, of corrupted man that needs, you know, a redeeming savior.
0: Amen. That's very good. That's very good. And the last one. And
1: and the last one is that, is that Christians have to have both conviction and compassion if, if they're going to enter into this, this transgender debate uh we have to be firm in what we stand in but at the same time if 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 you come in you know with a hammer you're not going to you're not going to convince anyone you're not going to win
0: right in that and debate. that's and that's the ultimate goal of the church right. is to go into all the world make disciples you know baptizing teaching them but right. we got to make right. disciples we're not just
1: trying to win arguments right.
0: right 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 we've got to be able to the what was the i'm trying to remember the quote um, or I know the quote, but the, the, the biblical reference, but it's he that went his size is wise. Or he that win his souls is wise. I mean, you got to go about it, you know, in a way that, you know, that you can also bring somebody in, you know, win them over to your side and not just expel them. And this is going to be a difficult task for the church because it's such a contested issue. And a lot of it, I do believe a lot of it is being driven, uh, not just by a political force. I think, I think we're, I think it's I think it's stronger. I think it's uh princes of powers and, and principalities and, and, and things of that. You know, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You know, I think we're we're wrestling something deeper and darker. And so I think it's easy, I think it's something that we need to keep in mind. You know what's so funny? I remember David K. Bernard, uh brother Brother Bernard at a Because of the Times, it's probably been eight or nine years ago. He mentioned, and he's talking about Apostolic and you know, in the twentieth century, twenty-first century, whatever, and he mentioned having to deal with this very thing, like witness. It's like, what happens? He laid out a scenario. He says, what happens when you pray someone through, they come to your church and you're, you're discipling them. And then it comes up in counseling that they transitioned like five years ago and they've been living as a, and when you prayed them through and the whole church, the whole body recognized them, they were sister so-and-so, but it comes to your knowledge, you know, through counseling, through discipleship, whatever that they were born male. They are biologically male, but the whole church knows them as Sister Sue or whatever her name is. And the, and and he's like, what What are we going to do with these people? And I remember he was asking a very practical question. And I remember back then thinking, no, not not in our lifetime, because this was before. I guess I was paying attention, but <laughs> right. he was he was paying attention. He was a visionary, right. and I just remember thinking like that's just so far from us. But now we're really there. Can you? I mean, it's feasible to have somebody to come to your church and by all judging of appearances, they will look one way and be biologically different. And so,
1: so, so Pastor Kenny Chesser, what do you do? That's, so, <laughs> that's one of those times when I'm so thankful I'm not Pastor Kenny Chesser.
0: <laughs> I remember back then, I jokingly said, well, we just put them over the Women's Auxiliary. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's, it's so, and the thing about it, man, it's like, say they're, they're ha- <laughs> this is so wild, but I mean, yeah, they've transitioned and they come in and they pray through and they're happily married. To a member of quote unquote the opposite sex, what do you do? What do you do with that person? These are like literal twenty first century problems that we're having. You know, going we're going to have to have an answer on, and we know that what the Bible says about you know the inception of the ideology or whatever. But what do you do with those people? Like, um, I would, I mean, it's easy for me because I'm not sitting in that chair. I would say, yeah, you definitely need to retransition. You need to go back. Well,
1: well, so then I mean, which brings up another question because we we. We also, as a church, uh, do not look favorably at divorce. Right. And
0: right, and now that we're dealing with same-sex marriage. But again, right. is it actual marriage? If we believe in the church is defined as a man and a wife, as what Jesus said. So would we even say that that was an actual marriage? It could be just they were living in sin together. Um, and I'm, I'm telling you
1: sin can make make a mess can't
0: <laughs> i'm telling you you're you, you trying to it's like you know pulling out a, a an extension cord or like old christmas lights and you start trying to untangle it. it's like man i've got i've got a rat's nest on man. it's like how where do this you know where do i you know i try to pull this and it gets tighter and the knot is just oh man what a like you said that's that's a let's end it right there sin makes the mess but thank be to god you know I, I think you know I would love to have a pastor on obviously they wouldn't have to name names or anything like that, but I'd love to have a pastor or a Christian leader on at one time that has a and because I, I know they're out there um, right. i've 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 seen their testimonies before about that, and I would love to see where it went right and where it went wrong but you know again as apostolic believers too, we also know that the Holy Ghost is there it's going to lead and guide you into all truth um you know it's not just you know we're not out there you know in no man's land that God had no idea was ever going to come upon us. He saw the beginning. Uh, He saw the end from the beginning. He knew that this church was going to be like this in the the last days. And so, you know, I take comfort in in knowing that, you know, that there'll be wisdom in those situations. That's one of the spiritual gifts. Just pray for wisdom, you know, and how to, how to, how to do that. Uh, Any closing thoughts? On the on the book or on the class, how do you think the class went? I think that day I remember when I came back that week, y'all said y'all had a lot of uh... we
1: we had a lot of discussion. Right. Which when I teach any any lesson that I teach, I really want to get some some feedback and some interaction uh, from the group. And and I felt like that day we you know we had a good discussion going, and we had to shut the discussion off because you know we were out of time and we had to get into the the worship service. So right.
0: Well, I thank you again for for uh, teaching that lesson for me, and then also for coming and talking about it on the the Kenny Chester podcast once again. This is James Crocker, and he is uh, we've uh, known each other for man, I don't know, it's probably been over twenty years now if I'm if I do the math on it. And we've got another podcast called Pros Before Bros. It's available on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify anchor uh, we'd love for you to go over and uh, pay us a visit on that and listen to us uh, over there um, james thank you for being here today
1: time, man. I'd love to come back and talk about something else. <laughs> I was
0: going to say we'll, we'll definitely have you back on. Since we're recording the other podcast, we'll have you come back on and uh, talk about something. Maybe maybe we can do some uh, college sports or, or s- <laughs> <laughs> something a little bit more uh, to your uh, to, to your in your wheelhouse. Uh, thank you for listening today. Uh, be sure to uh, click on that subscribe button uh, and uh, check in next time. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Kenny Chester
1: podcast this episode with a friend, becoming a subscriber, and leaving a review.